You're listening to the Forest School Podcast. Delicious waffle chat about education, nature connection, child development, community building and lots more. Hosted by Lewis Ames and Wem Sutherland. There's a daffodil in my garden and it wasn't open this morning but now it is. It feels like spring. I've just been chasing my chickens around the garden in the sunshine it's been lovely my dog's been helping it's been very good um that sounds horrible it It was it was fun um oh (laughs) listeners we've got such a juicy episode today i loved it oh yeah oh talking to practitioner rachel summers um about all kinds of interesting things but before we um before we well you know uh, we talked about what did we talk about? We talked about we talked about different spirituality uh, and spirituality about authorities and hierarchies and leading people, and uh, we talked and about nature awareness, nature awareness, and and helping Rachel's other people to notice that she was the person that did the chalk in lockdown and labelled all the trees and yeah. and, and then, then we talked about. Graveyard and oh, death. Look, 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 look. If, if you're a bit, look, if you listen to this episode through the first half, I think you'll be able to hear. I am a little bit timid. I am a little bit on the back foot. Uh, there's, there's, um, there's some like reverence that I'm not sure where to put. Um, and then because you're as, talking to a vicar, because I'm talking to a vicar, and as we go through, and I remembered that oh, it's it's Rachel, and I know Rachel, and yeah. Rachel's lovely, and then. And she's a Rachel, forest school person. And, and she's a, a forest school person. And Rachel yeah. really came in with some, I don't want to spoil. Deacon. Know, Deacon is the word. Much, Deacon but, um, is the word. Some, some brilliant stuff say. comes out sort of two thirds of the way through. We really relax into it and get in. And it's like, not that the first half isn't great. It's just very different in tone. Uh, yeah. Becomes a little bit more silly. Not yeah. that people would expect that from us. Oh, of course um, not. Guys, course uh, not. when this uh, next week... Uh, we're putting out our second episode of the Patreon one. It's the secret student that you did for me. It's yes. our secret student who might be somebody with like scraggly hair and who likes to follow the rules and mm. who has two friends that uh, at school and they all do magic. So yeah. that one's coming up for listeners. And I want to say as well, if you've got your questions, we've got some questions coming in. Uh, for the pedagogy surgery. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> well, Lewis is coughing, go, I'll explain what that is. On. It's like any kind of moment of uh, uh, teaching or it could be forest school practice, could be education practice, could be parenting practice. It could be any interaction with children or groups or community. And you've just got a little bit of a niggle and you think, hmm, not sure. I want another point of view on this. Um, and you want us to uh, put, it, put it to bits. Chew it up, digest it, and then vomit it back into your ears. Then, and it's uh, anonymous. Can... The forestschoolpodcast.com is an anonymous bit where you can drop it off. So if you want to throw in stuff about people you work with or about stuff that you're like, oh, I can't really get into this at work because it's all too messy and people know each other and just throw it to us and we'll chew it out objectively. Uh, or it could be see. like an ethos thing. Like, what do you guys think yeah, about true. this? Because I'm not sure. Like a little debatey thing. It doesn't necessarily need to be about your own practice. It could be, yeah, something yeah. philosophical. Not, um, we've got our level three training up coming up. It's now the time of the year yeah. where we go, oh, it's happening in September, which means we need to start the wheels turning now because yeah. such is the way of the world. We're doing uh, bar six Mondays in September and then... Uh, four in the following spring and that puts together like 10 days of level three training down in Devon it's super super lush Um, we have had people who are on our course who've been chatting to people on other courses who've been going oh my god I was talking to someone on another course and they were like I can't believe how shallow my course is and the course they were doing with us and they were like oh it's so deep you guys are just going into all the nitty-gritty stuff yeah we do it's 10 days 10 days of chatting and waffling and really getting into the stuff that we are and playing, yeah, just crafting and really, you know, we love it, right? You may have noticed. So uh, join us. We are not doing that by whole half. So if you want to do that training, you can go to uh, childrenoftheforest.com and there's hyphens in between all those words. Or you can Google Children of the Forest Level 3 training and we'll come up. Uh, When... We have been getting some reviews and I'm so sorry. I haven't pulled them out yet. Uh, 
but we have been getting more rating and reviewing on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate everybody that's going and doing that. If you're on a podcast player now, there might even be a little button just where you can just open your phone now and just go and click it and just go, oh, yeah, click that many stars. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, really, really helps us. Um, So thank you so much for everybody that has done all of that. But without further ado, I think we should uh, get into this chat with Rachel. Yeah, let's do it. Everybody, we're here. Rachel's here. Oh, blowing me. Someone's trying to call someone. They're trying to call me. Oh, yeah. oh, for goodness sakes. Right. We're not here. We're not here. Right. I'm just going to message my husband and say, please leave me alone. I'm trying to do audio recording. <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Right. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> how, how rude was that text you just sent? Because it was very short. Got a collar on. It's very polite, obviously. <laughs> How could you possibly think it might be anything else? <laughs> Guys, we're here. Rachel's here. Uh, Rachel, we've no- I am trying to work out uh, how long we have known each other. I think I have known you digitally for like five to seven years. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, I reckon. Yeah. And then and we've probably. Been... Yeah, we've been talking. We've substantially pre-COVID. As in, I didn't yes. just meet you in then lockdown. So I definitely knew you well enough before. Yeah. All, and we've been talking about active. doing this podcast for ages, haven't we? Absolutely yeah. ages. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, great to be with you finally. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we're here to chat about, well, the specific way in which you do forest school and the things that you get up to, which people who are looking at this on a video, well, might have a, a clue into what it is, but for people that don't know you, could you tell us a bit about like your background, what you do and like how you've ended up where, what you're doing now? This is where I could really confuse all the people who are just on audio, isn't it? I could say yeah. something, I could like talk about what I'm wearing or what I'm doing that's going to be completely at odds with what people who are watching can see. And then I'm really confused. Shall I do that or shall I be good? Up <laughs> <laughs> to you, mate. Up to you. <laughs> it's a yarn first and then go only joking it's actually this <laughs> no one will ever know if it was true or not so um so I am well kind of a forest vicar um I'm based in Walthamstow in East London um and so if you were able to see me you would see that I've got a dog collar on um so I am actually a proper vicar and not a renter stripper vicar um actually I haven't been a renter stripper <laughs> but let's not rule it out um and um uh, <laughs> Lewis has lost it. We're like one minute into the podcast. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I, I come from kind of a forest school background for the past ten years. I've been forest school practitioner, um, done a bit of training, done a bit of forest school with all kinds of different groups of people. Um, also, while exploring my vocation to ordain ministry in the Church of England and what that looks like as a person who belongs in the woods and whether there's a place for me somehow in that intersection between the two. So I suppose that's kind of where I am. I'm kind of, when people say to me from the church, kind of, where where are you based? I say, I'm based at St Peter's in the Forest, which is actually the church I am at. It's called In the Forest, which is rather, rather perfect. Wow. Um, so St Peter's in the Forest um, on one side of the 406 um, and St Mary's Woodford on the other. If you know London, you'll know the 406. It probably is just a bunch of numbers for all of you, you guys. But it's a big yes, road. Yes. It's around London. It's not the M25. Um, and then I'm based in the woodland in between them. So the space in between it's the spaces in between those crossover bits which are the bits that get me excited anyway and is it a shared site between those sites is the woodland shared so um both those churches kind of sit within epping forest so epping forest is massive great forest that stretches down like fingers down into east london so it goes down further than we are in walthamstow right down um kind of down through leytonstone Wandstead, Woodford, all of that bit. So um, St Peter's in the Forest is surrounded, literally, it's in a forest glade. And then if I walk through the forest and cross the motorway, then I'm in the other parish. So I'm kind of straddling the two. 
Wow. And what does your um, space look like? Does it, if you happened upon it, would you say, oh, this is a recognisable forest school site? Or would you look at it and go, oh, yeah, this is an outdoor church? Or is it somewhere in between? What's it like? um, The church was built as a chapel of ease to um, St Mary's Walthamstow, not the St Mary's I'm at, um, about 150 years ago. So it's kind of slightly at the back end of town. Um, it feels a little bit, I always say to people, it's a little bit like the side of town that people are facing away from. So you're kind of looking down towards London, your gaze gets drawn down towards centre of Walthamstow, centre of London itself. Um, and then here we are kind of, if you're talking about highways and byways, we're definitely where the byways are. We're those kind of paths that you're not sure if they're people or badgers. Uh, and we're kind of that, that end of town, the bits that stuck behind. Um, so the, it's got a big main road that goes down to the hospital on one side. So it's not quiet. It's full of sirens. Um, but it is set within the forest. And within the forest, it's got this churchyard. I mean, the churchyard has got this Victorian church. Um, about two years ago, they had lottery funding and had a big church refit. And as part of that, they were really leaning into being a church in the forest with it being part of their name and wanting to um, kind of be able to utilise the church to gift people access to the forest. So mm-hmm. it's set up partly... Um, kind of allow community groups a little bit more of a toehold into where the forest is because Epping Forest is quite it's useful to walk through but because of it being owned by Corporation of London it limits how much you can hang around and do stuff there so if you get permission to use Corporation of London sites for example for forest school which I've used in the past in different places they will give you permission but you can't have permission for a fire for example but you also aren't allowed to put things up on the trees you're not allowed to mm. run an activity underneath a tree so um wow it's Sorry, fairly no, no, hang on hang on about you how do you be in a forest and not do an activity under a tree how does well, that work well there you are that's a, that's the conundrum lewis that so, sounds like a legal loophole so here but... we have here we have this little churchyard little jewel of a churchyard sitting in the middle um, and as part of the plans for it the architect architect built in a fire pit outside the church as well so wow. we've got this permanent fire pit outside the church and I think what my role has been is been finding a place for the fire pit within the life of the community but also within the life of the church and trying to tie those two things together. Mm. Uh, do your practice are you when you're running sessions I'm trying to imagine how they would work are you like this whole thing is outside by the fire pit and then the next session is wholly inside in the building or do you ever like start in one place and move to the other or go from one to one you know what are you fixed once you're at the fire pit or in the church generally I'm fixed so if I'm doing stuff in the church then it's normally mostly church-based looks fairly like a traditional service um the other week we we have a creative service once a month and the other week we were doing candle mass and I made everyone come outside we made those earth candles you know you dig in the ground Mm. and you melt the candle wax over the fire and pour it in so you sent us a picture you were in in white clothes and I I was was very impressed in my happy place pouring (laughs) pouring wax into the ground so yeah um there's it's, there's porosity to it um i run forest school um sessions with families i do baby club and then kind of toddler preschool club on a friday morning which i was running before ordination out of this space and that's continued much as it was and i suppose there is a bit of porosity the other way around in that it's useful that we've got a building sometimes um because it's useful for like accessing toilets and things like that um but also um it's just nice being able to have the space kind of with forest school so much of it hangs around that kind of seasonal the wheel wheel of the year turning and actually because the church in this place was so strongly influenced by seasonality actually often the festivals that happening in the church um so, so just to clarify, then you said you were doing um, toddler and baby groups on a Friday. Is that within that churchyard forest setting, or is that in a different woodland? Yes. So it's within the church within the churchyard. So up until I started this bit, um, it wasn't the only space I was using. So I was doing lots of forest school in lots of different places, um, and I've kind of pulled out of that and got other people running some of it, and some of it's just had to drop because. Yeah. lack of being able to run all the things in the world um mm. but 
now I'm kind of doing more things out of the churchyard with kind of as part of the church mission, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. And do you find that people are, um, because the way you described sort of your journey to where you are now was part of, you know, you saying that you're like an outdoorsy person and you wanted that element of the church in your life, but outdoors. And do you think that that kind of, I'm thinking that probably describes actually quite a few people that, people might be drawn to both of those things or it might it makes almost church more accessible to some people who are much happier outside do you find that's the case do you find you've got a lot of people who are very pleased to be in that environment I think I'm not trying to do a resale or or a kind of let's squeeze something to make it palatable Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think there is something in all of us that really kind of leans toward, yearns for a sense of connection with something bigger than ourselves, whatever that looks like. And that's something that I think is common to people across Forest School. Most people I talk to often, one of the reasons that they've been drawn outside, working outside, is that kind of sense of being caught up in something that's bigger than yourself, caught up in the world, in the universe, seeing how the seasons change and the trees and their lifespan being longer than ours and little tiny bugs and their lifespan being shorter than ours and just kind of finding your place in the world. And... Um, so I suppose it's kind of coming out of my kind of my kind of my own walk anyway of knowing that I find that kind of peace and connection when I'm outside, knowing that that's something that other people have when you talk about kind of a time when you felt that sense of peace connection connection people won't often say I was sitting in a in a service but they would say I was up in a mountain or I saw a sunrise or um, a bee came and sat on my hand and I noticed how fuzzy it was so it's about I suppose helping people to notice those points and use those points almost as way markers um rather than kind of just them getting lost in that wash of busyness and busy life around us, helping people to drill down and find that stillness and that peace. And the church has got 2,000 years of helping people do that. It's had people who've been doing that as a job, um, kind of professionally, I suppose, but um, for 2,000 years of people who've got all this wisdom about what maybe you might call mindfulness of being kind of at one with things, noticing the tiny things, um, kind of cherishing the stuff that maybe is sometimes seen as useless, sometimes seen as pointless rubbish or things that are seen as um, kind of too inane or um, like the powerless things of the world. Whether or not the church has always used that well Um, well it's not up for debate it's true it hasn't always used that well but nevertheless we've got these kind of years and years of wisdom so if I can offer that wisdom to people to say well here's some things that people have done in the past um, which has helped them to explore this take out of it what you need use it however you need in your own walk to find peace to find a sense of being one with the universe and that's very much a forest school approach isn't it you know you could apply all of that you've just said there to any of the activities or offerings or routines and rituals that we do as part of a forest school session it's like you know some of this you might might resonate with you some of it might not and that's completely fine and here are just some ideas that might make you uh yeah feel a sense of well-being and community and um and learning about you know the world and yourself um Hi listeners, before we continue with the rest of today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Skillshare. Skillshare is the ultimate platform for learning new skills and honing your craft with thousands of online classes taught by experts in their various fields. Guess what? As a token of appreciation to our amazing listeners, Skillshare is offering an exclusive deal. Simply click on the link in the podcast show notes and you'll get a fantastic 30% discount on your Skillshare membership. That's right, 30%. So whether you're interested in photography, creative writing, or mastering new software, Skillshare has got you covered. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to enhance your skills and unleash your creativity. 
thank you Skillshare for supporting our show and helping us provide valuable waffle chats to our listeners. Now let's get back to the rest of today's episode. I was thinking while you were talking about how in the Forest School Principles, um, there is that word about the spiritual in the Forest School Principles. And I remember that, uh, Lewis, I think I'm right in kind of including you in that as well. At the, mm. at the beginning, at the very beginning of our Forest School journey, that was the element of the, the principles that we not struggled with, but we had the... Sometimes feels a bit uncomfortable. It and when feels I've done... a bit... It's yeah, something like what does that mean you know on it sometimes don't you? you think I'm not yeah. quite sure what this means or how I, I can know. make it authentic for me yes and whether that is you know it's not it's not a word that we use very often in everyday life hmm. yeah something I think as teachers you get you get used to all the other bits that are in the principles coming from a teaching background if you talk about facilitating risk okay, well, I've had training in risk. I've had training in risk. If you talk about facilitating, um, you know, opportunities for emotional growth. Yeah, I've done that. I've had training. I've done whatever else. Like, even when I was teaching, the PHSE curriculum was like, here is the book. You do a page a day. Do not go off script. Do not answer any questions that you're not qualified <laughs> for. The school is not liable for anything you say. You know, like, that's the level that I, I definitely started this journey on. Like, you see spiritual and I always go, nope. Nope, that's not in the way. Not mine do you to not touch. feel that spiritual, the kind of allowing learners to explore spirituality, feels like almost the most risky thing out of the things that we're yeah, asking man. them to do if we're playing around with risk? Because it's deep stuff, isn't it? It's deep stuff about kind of yeah. what makes you human and not a slug, and um, kind of things that actually matter. And because they matter, they're often hugely contentious. That's what I was going to say. The contentious bit is uh, compared to lots of other things that you might encourage people to explore. Nobody's upset if someone thinks the slug is a boy and someone thinks the slug is a girl. That that lands very differently to someone discussing spirituality and what they believe. And like, yeah, and, so and, and that's one of those things, isn't it? Where like, yeah, you're probably, I think you're definitely right there, Rachel, to say that is the riskiest thing. And probably as I reflect now, something that I'm still slightly shying away from, if if it came up in a conversation, you know, between learners, I might feel more comfortable to hold it. If it came up between adults, let's say a toddler group, mm. I would, I would probably recuse myself in a, hopefully a very funny way quite quickly, <laughs> but you know, you know, I would make a lighthearted quip but and then, move away. Are you like, thinking then Lewis about like a, a definitely obviously religious element to the spiritual there? Is that, are those the kind of discussions and situations that you're thinking of? Because I think for me, when I was yeah trying to engage with the principles and going, well, what does that actually mean? Like I haven't, yeah, because we don't talk about it in everyday life. It's not something that comes up very often. Naturally, in conversation, we don't tend to go, oh, yeah, to our friend, oh, I had a really spiritual moment today. But, you know, it's just not part of everyday normal conversation. Although, for me, it is becoming more so the more I gel with new friends and and want mm. to explore that part of my life. But, um, and I think, you know, you saying about accessing that, you know, feeling at home in the world of, of things and nature and, and those and that actually are gaining an understanding for me that a spiritual moment for a participant at forest school might be a moment of complete awe and wonder at watching a centipede or it might be just mm. that moment of when the the mixture of the bird song at this exact moment combined with the light through the leaves at this exact moment combined with the fact that I've just been hanging out with a friend and we had an amazing time and I have that moment of just like it creates something bigger than all the parts exactly mm. and that doesn't have to be religious in inverted commas in any way but it is definitely a spiritual feeling which we don't have the opportunity to access that often in our lives but forest school is one place where that has got more likelihood to be able to happen because we are so many of the conditions might be not for everybody but might be right for people yes. to experience those moments. I think you're right I think that it becomes a kind of um, a magical mixing pot in which it's easy for it to grow out of and I think that can kind of help you exercise your muscles your spirituality muscles so that as you are in different situations somehow it's easier to settle to sit inside of um, 
because standing in the queue at Primark is not the place that you're going to find a spiritual experience. But maybe it's a time that you most need to. And maybe a bit like, you know, when you go mudlarking down at the Thames or you don't you live far, far away from London. But if if one was to live in London and go mudlarking down on the Thames, um, you go down on the beach and at first it just looks like a load of nothing. And then you they talk about getting your eye in and you can notice and then start to pick out these things which are treasures. And obviously, are they really treasures? Are they worth money? No, they're not worth money at all, but they're treasures because uh, because of how they connect with you, because maybe this pipe stem was last put in someone's actual mouth maybe 200, 300 years ago, and since then it's not touched any other people, and that kind of connection between you and the object and the other person in the past is something bigger than just the little bit of pottery itself. Um, and I think it's about that kind of getting your eye in. So maybe the more we can give people not just the experiences of um, kind of spiritual experiences in forest school with the kind of I often talk when I talk to churches about why it's important about kind of when you're looking at a slug, you know, and everyone goes because it's disgusting and then you hold it and. As you hold the slug and you kind of talk about the slug and you draw attention to the slug, suddenly you kind of the group coalesces around you, doesn't it? And um, maybe you'll notice how um, kind of the sunlight sparkles on its damp little body and you might notice its little breathe, breathing hole opening and closing. You might notice the little slug mites walking around on the outside of it. And suddenly you notice this wonder in something that you hadn't maybe noticed before and I think the more you can give people experiences like that then they're more likely they are to spot the kind of weeds growing out of the pavement or to spot the clouds or goodness me to spot other people being humans and breathing in the queue in Primark and just the wonder that there we all are as people living in the world and to to then maybe even we might manage to queue in Primark without going crazy you never know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love I that. That's that. So, because as we're talking about all this stuff and this like wonder and these like moments of, you know, we're talking about like moments of spirituality, and I think I'm reflecting that I, as well as feeling slightly shaky about them, I would say they are the part of the facilitation that I feel I have the least control over. I think I mm. would put them in a box of like, if they happen, they happen, they happen but they I don't. Happen. But I don't mm. think about like push it you can't push it but I also don't think I I even consider like oh this might be a box in which spirituality happens when I'm planning the session I was wondering I don't know Rachel if you do any like non-church forest school but whether you think that you might have like more of a focus on that or you try it I'm not really explaining myself do you think you're you would you're you try and facilitate spiritual moments more than the average outdoor leader might or do you think that's you are also tell because obviously i've only ever lived in my body and in my yeah body. that's why i was waffling um, yes, it's <laughs> Friday mornings it's not it's not a church for a school any more than churches run toddler okay. clubs essentially it's our church offering of toddler club but here it is as forest school because it, it's a useful and important thing that a church can offer to the community in fact um getting slightly sidetracked um the church not the church of england but the churches worldwide came up with what mission means and there are five different things in mission and some of them are things that you might think of as mission from a church of like people going out and telling people about how to become christians but there's also it was agreed by everybody one of them is about care for the world care for the environment helping people to um love and understand and become part of it so actually kind of if I do, and I do sometimes come across people within churches who are a little bit twitchy about what I'm doing, um, but they shouldn't be because there it is in black and white. It's actually kind of, this is mission because it's important for people. And actually, if as a Christian, I believe that um, there is a God who created a universe and us as part of it, then surely it's important for me to be able to help other people to notice that universe. Mm. Anyway, that was by the by. I can't even remember what your question was. Oh, yeah, about my Friday morning. So my Friday morning sessions are just ordinary forest school sessions. Um, And, yeah, I suppose it's just that getting your eye and noticing. I do do an awful lot of noticing. I think it's one of those really useful kind of neurodiversity skill set things, isn't it, that 
you can be really good at noticing stuff. Um, you can get really good at being caught up in the stuff that you notice. You can get really good at being sidetracked off whatever <laughs> plan. I don't relate to any of this. I don't know what you're talking about. Really. <laughs> can I just interrupt to say that when you were describing mudlarking, so um, I've only done a little bit of mudlarking, but like I feel like most of the time I'm in the woods, I am essentially mudlarking because I'm just like looking for stuff. Like, oh, guys, look at that. Um, while you were describing mudlarking, my mouth was actually watering. Isn't that weird? <laughs> 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 salivating. Oh, lovely mudlarking. Yes, please. Um, yeah, which I think it just, yeah, ties into okay, that. Okay, can we tie in then? Okay, this is the one. <laughs> I'm going to put together a little logo that just says, spiritual mudlarking and that's the new oh, thing that's what we're going I for now it. that's what we're yes, doing. Yes. we're doing spiritual mudlarking forest okay. school yeah like like <laughs> it looked like one of those um dictionary definitions on a t-shirt yeah. forest oh, yeah, school yeah. colon spiritual, spiritual mudlarking, mud-larking. Ooh, oh i love my it gosh yes <laughs> And I also want to go back a bit to um you were just you were just describing um yeah facilitating moments of noticing and whether that be that people are noticing the weeds coming out of the pavement and I remembered it was you wasn't it that in lockdown went round and and marked I out yeah. that I was you. on the pavement yeah you chalked on the pavement and didn't you make the news chalking on the pavement do you oh, want to so sorry, listeners who <laughs> listeners who don't know what we're on about do you want to just um explain. So it, when it, it was it was at that bit in early lockdown where you were allowed to leave your house for one hour a day for exercise, and I was missing my woods, and I was thinking, oh, I miss my woods, I miss my trees, this is rubbish. And then I thought, actually, I have got trees, got trees in the streets around my house. Um, and so I was walking and looking at the trees, and I'm thinking, my tree ID is not that great. I should probably use this time for something useful and train myself better on trees. And so I was walking around trying to work out what they all were and kind of looking at everybody else who was walking around kind of head in their own world I thought what people need they need to rather get so much introspection wasn't there and kind of looking in and kind of getting kind of caught up in this kind of whirlwind of grimness and I thought what I really need people to do is I need people to to look up and look out because actually these things are carrying on and it was that spring wasn't it and like, mm. spring's still happening all around us and um, and so I got my chalk and I went out and I thought right, I'm going to label the trees up because maybe someone will see a label and it will make them notice the tree and if they notice the tree they'll kind of hopefully well who can fail to see a tree and not be overcome with joy and wonder you know okay. aren't they lovely beings to share world with and um so i'd like label the tree and then i suppose i'd call it it's kind of kind of like theological reflection but it's kind of like treeological reflection <laughs> so i'd be thinking about the tree and about um stuff about the tree i'd be looking up the tree finding facts out about it on the internet and then i'd see what kind of have a conversation between the tree and the fact about the tree and our experience that we were in and then write a little little tagline as well so for example um we've got um a lot of turkish hazel used as a street tree around here when i was looking it up on the rhs website it says turkish hazel tolerates difficult conditions and i thought well that's a useful Mm. thing for people to hear because if you can't manage to thrive in them you can at least tolerate them surely we can manage to tolerate that's kind of aspirational it felt and so i'd write turkish hazel tolerates difficult conditions and leave it there just under the trees um just as a kind of here's a thing to think about and reflect and I think there wasn't much positive news at that point the news was all awful awfulness um and I went out with my talk and I thought oh maybe someone will take a photo I wonder if anyone will take a photo and share it on any of my local Facebook groups but someone took a photo and put it on Twitter and I went to bed with 60 Twitter followers and woke up with 6,000 and um, the rest was history and then I was on BBC and ITV News and The Guardian and what my kids are really impressed by I was in The Week Junior. Hey really that's amazing. It really was yeah. That's so cool. As outdoor leaders and educators, we often find ourselves entrusted with sensitive information about our students, their families, and our fellow staff. From emergency contact details to medical information, ensuring the confidentiality of this data is paramount. But in today's digital age, protecting this information extends beyond the physical realm and into the online world. 
That's where NordVPN comes in. NordVPN is a trusted name in online security, providing a virtual private network that encrypts your internet connection and shields your online activities from prying eyes. With NordVPN, you can browse the web, communicate with parents, and manage administrative tasks with peace of mind, knowing that your data is safe from hackers, snoopers, and other threats. But NordVPN isn't just about security. It also offers flexibility and convenience, allowing you to access geo-blocked content, connect to public Wi-Fi, by hotspots securely and bypassing censorship restrictions. Whether you're researching lesson plans, communicating with colleagues, or simply unwinding with some online entertainment, NordVPN ensures that you can do so safely and privately. So, fellow outdoor enthusiasts, if you are ready to take your online security up to the next level, I urge you to sign up to NordVPN today by using the link in the show notes. You'll not only safeguard your sensitive data, but also support the continued exploration and enjoyment of the great outdoors through this podcast. Stay safe, stay secure, and let's keep the spirit of adventure alive, both in the forest and online. Very exciting. When you when you were so I have, I have some. I'm going to wade into some slightly deeper water now, because um, there's obviously something about when you go out and like tree iding is a really good example. I think, and I'm going to use it as a shoehorn to get into that idea that mm. is like when one person's got knowledge, and then you're like trying to share that knowledge. One of the things that I find really, I I want to like navigate carefully is like sharing knowledge without for me creating like undue hierarchy yeah you know that or thing of like sledgehammering with them or, them or sledgehammering or like posturing in a way that is like come to me for knowledge and i don't know if you can go get to where i'm going to anyway but when you we started this recording and you put the your dog collar on and there was something visceral that happened to me where i went oh rachel is now authoritative <laughs> in my, in oh, my head i could have told you to do anything <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have worked right and, and again we're going to talk about wonky brain skills the authority doesn't necessarily translate to obedience but, but i'm interested to know how or if you navigate that in any different way because obviously you're wearing a thing that confers some like leadership authority status that might be different to you know women i are wearing totally outdoor clothes that are like i don't i don't think when tell me if i'm wrong that we we wear anything i wear the big badge that says i'm the best and you're (laughs) rubbish but that's the sometimes i worry that my clothes don't give enough authority because they are either too dirty too full of holes or too out of fashion (laughs) and i think "Mm, do i really look like i run this joint um people should actually like pay me to look after the children that's always but... my worry when new people come to the toddler group is i immediately panic and go am i wearing a logo anywhere because i well, just might yeah well they just think i've turned yeah. up yeah. yeah but but to, no, to, to, to go back to my question i just wanted to ask how you navigate that or whether that's something that you take into consideration with the sessions like you know you're in a position of authority from multiple angles i guess you're like religious authority or guidance or however you want to phrase it but also you're leading an outdoor session how do you approach those things so I suppose first of all you wearing the dog color is quite a weird type of authority because it opens up people who maybe might feel a bit awkward talking about I had a spiritual experience like you were saying when you don't go around saying it but somehow there's something about wearing a collar that random people seem to think they can come up to me and talk to me about stuff that's really really deep without any earlier conversation <laughs> at all yeah. which is I mean what a gift to be able to have so it's mm. essentially why I wear it really just because it's a sign saying you can talk, talk to me about that weird stuff and I'm not going to judge you mm-hmm. um as far as everything else goes, I mean, I think it is just that kind of it's that forest school leadership style thing, isn't it? Of where you're saying, um, kind of, here's here's the stuff. I've got stuff in my back pocket. It's here if you want it. Um, kind of, here's some ideas I've had. What ideas have you had? What can we create together? Yeah. Yeah. While we're talking about clothes, um, I wanted to ask. Oh, yeah, I said I wanted to talk to you about clothes because um, I see you were sharing with a lot. You know, we've got the 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 back 
stage for a school channels of communication and uh and you were <laughs> on the on the you know secret groups the secret groups, the secret uh, groups no, that we all have and you it's listeners not, don't know it's not secret at all no, lots of misses you'll know um you were sharing your amazing creations of your amazing clothes and you've oh, got my lovely like, stoles oh, yes yeah you've got like yes. a like you could tell us about that what, what's so, a stole so what's a stole? Good first question. A stole looks like a scarf. Um, so a stole is essentially, it's the, the the priest's scarf. So if you imagine a priest on the telly, it's a scarf that they're wearing, not the black one. So that's a preaching scarf that you wear over the white white floppy thing that you wear if you're on EastEnders and doing a funeral. Um, the stole is the one that's coloured and showing you that you're there in a sacramental role. In more words, here I need to unpack for you. So sacramental just means an outward sign of something that's, inward and spiritual that you can't see so that's what a sacrament is so it's like showing through stuff important stuff that's happening on the inside so with baptism for example as a sacrament there's the important stuff of being kind of made into a new baby christian being part of a family and the thing you see is a splashy water and the rubby oil Mm -hmm. so The soul is the sign that you're there in that particular role. And like I was saying earlier, before we got so rudely interrupted by my 11-year-old, the church, because of the way that it's grown across the globe, lots of the way that the church works and the church year works, hangs off things that fit in the kind of year of nature. Um, within a kind of western european context so we have christmas at christmas because that's when it fits with the symbolism of light in the darkness we have easter at easter because that's when it fits with the symbolism of new life so lots and lots of the things happen when they happen because of what's happening out in the world um so because of this kind of cycle yearly cycle of things the church has kind of different colors that fit to kind of show where you are so it's kind of color-coded um, there's a there's a nice quote by um oh what's 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 that name he he used to be Mork and Mindy love the lovely actor guy Robin uh, Williams yeah Robin Williams there's a lovely Robin Williams guy um, he says why he was an Episcopalian he says Episcopalian because the church year is color coded so it's color coded you always know where you are so at the moment we're in Lent and I'm wearing purple and you can look at me and see I'm wearing purple and you know that we're in Lent um, so I needed a bunch of different stoles for different times of year different festivals or seasons that were happening in church and um you can buy them off the peg but because um I just really wanted them to have an integrity with who I was and so I decided to try to make some of my own so I have so far I've made three so I needed a white one for ordination when I got made a deacon wearing a dog color um and so I was thinking kind of playing around with the ideas about kind of um what it was that I was going to be called to do and to be. And as far as the Church of England's concerned, I'm ordained pioneer clergy, which means I do stuff outside of churches. And so I was thinking, mm, well, silver birch would be good. It's white, but it's also pioneer species, isn't it? And also because of it being really good firelight at fire starter. And in a way, I kind of see that's kind of a little bit more what my role is with the church, but bit of fire, fire up them. And also I'm, I'm yeah I like starting stuff I'm not a great kind of completer finisher I'm definitely more of a kind of let's get this stuff starting and exciting new things going um so I printed off some um, birch bark fabric and then sewed on little golden um, birch leaves that I'd cut using real birch leaves as templates mm-hmm. and if you've ever tried sewing um golden leather it's really prickly. And if you've ever tried sewing golden leather while you've got a child who's on a short-term pupil referral unit placement and you can only get there by a really long bus journey, it's really prickly because you're trying to stab it on a wobbly top deck of a bus. So I don't know if I recommend that or not, but it happened yeah. and it is a thing. And I can look at the birch leaves and I can remember them with my fingers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I have that one. I have um, um, a green one that I made for um, for well, Trinity, ordinary season, Trinity season, green for growth is what it is in the church. And so I thought, well, I'll have green for growth. And I've got, um, I've got dandelions on it. um, Mm. Because, again, another kind of pioneer symbol of them kind of spreading out all over the place, little, little, little ideas spreading around, and they drop down the floor, you don't quite know what they're going to do. And 
you can't control the back, control where they grow, what they grow into, and that kind of setting stuff off around the place and it not being kind of, I'm not having to micromanage it, it's just itself. I yeah. think I like that. Yeah. And they're so beautiful. They look really stunning. Yeah, thank yeah. you. They were fun to make. Oh. Yeah, I saw you asking about um, how to set Hapazomi. Was that for mm-hmm. the souls? Is that for... Yeah, so I want yeah. to do a purple one. I want to do a purple one with violets on the bottom. Mm. Not quite sure how to do yeah, it. Yeah, because the colours change over time so much as well, don't they? Even if they exactly. stay so in fabric. fades so quickly, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And Lily came up with a bunch of other things I could use. I was going, but I want the violets because I need it to be violet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Amazing. Rachel, I was going to ask when you so you minister and deliver sessions in two different settings. You're talking about having the indoor setting and the outdoor setting, and that you were saying that they're somewhat separate if you're in one place and in the other place. Have you had any participants? move from one to the other or back or you know do people go actually this is where I'm comfortable you know what's that relationship like do people move backwards and forwards I think people move to see to get what they need out of different places so through um, Advent um, I did a weekly evening session around the fire pit and I was doing kind of the story of salvation so Old Testament stories I was not reading them, I was like retelling them, storytelling style, because obviously so many old stories, they weren't written in a book. So it's if everything goes through an oral storytelling form. So I was telling a story and then just we'd sit around the fire and chat about it and cook, toast some bread and fruit bread and butter it and whatever. And um, a lot of the people from that were people, kind of some of them from the church who are normally on the inside and some people from forest school in the mornings and some people around and other people who just thought it might be fun. Mm. And when you are reaching out and like you've got these community stuffs going on, how, uh, oh God, I'm really interested in how much I am tiptoeing here. Um, <laughs> I know lots of forest schools, they're, they're, they feel very motivated to include ceremonies from different faiths and different cultures in their setting. Is that something that you also do in your setting or is it like this is a space for these types of ceremonies? You know, I've never been a very ceremonial forest schooler, I suppose. So it always feels a little bit like I'm... I don't want to be pushing too much of myself and uh-huh. my decisions and structuring the sessions. It feels a little bit structury and it makes me feel a bit twitchy, I mm-hmm. suppose. So um, everything I do tends to be quite invitational. So my sessions that I was running on a Friday morning, yeah, I'd probably, if there was something that people in the group might be interested in, I would probably offer it as a, I wondered if we might do this kind of a way. Um and that wouldn't necessarily be from the Christian tradition. Christian tradition, it could be from whatever. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Has that come up, or or not that you can really put a finger on? I don't think it's come up in any way that I've been disturbed by it. But I'm trying to trying to think back of what I've done. Did we do any other? Did we done faith, other faith things? Probably. Mm. <laughs> and it depends what comes up, doesn't it? Because sometimes you're not thinking about that but and you know it ends up coming up in discussion or it reminds somebody of of something we've had that with not just um you know necessarily religious things but about cultural things where someone's gone ah that's reminded us of something that we do in my parents home country or you know that's kind of Mm. or or, we've been cooking this recently oh I wonder if that would work over the fire and all of those kind of actually organic as you say it's not you go you know not you us as leaders going I've planned this session. It's all themed about this because I should. Oh, because there's, the there's woodpecker. No, we won't look at the woodpecker, children. We're yes. all going to do this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. The calendar says this, so we're all going to make bonfire night firework pictures now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a, as you say, it can be an invitation or it can be something that is organic that comes from the group. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, yeah probably the way to go what i'm interested in is people and i like people and i like how people tick and i like all the things that go up 
kind of come together to make them the people that they are. And I suppose that's spirituality is a part of that. And I don't think with a collar on that precurses me to say, I'm not going to talk about any spirituality that doesn't rigidly fit in with a particular faith structure. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. Hey, outdoor leaders, are you familiar with that feeling of spending the whole day holding other people's needs, trying to keep spirits up by cooking treats over the fire, only to get home and be faced with yet more mental load and cooking chores? We get it, it's exhausting. But what if we told you there's a game changer that could make your evenings a whole lot easier? Enter HelloFresh, the household name in meal kit delivery. You've probably heard of them, but have you given them a try? If not, now's the perfect time to experience the convenience and deliciousness that they bring to the table. And guess what? As a thank you for supporting our show, HelloFresh is offering our listeners an incredible deal. Just follow the link in our podcast show notes to enjoy a fantastic 60% off your first box, plus 25% off for the next two months, along with some free gifts. Imagine coming home to a box full of fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-follow recipes, ready to help you whip up tasty meals without the stress. It's like having a personal sous chef right in your kitchen. So why not give yourself a break and let HelloFresh do the heavy listening? Click on that link in the show notes and treat yourself to some well-deserved relaxation. Thank you again to HelloFresh for supporting outdoor leaders like us. Yeah. Um, Rachel, I'm con- I'm very conscious of how much of your time you're giving us. Thank you very much. Is there anything that we have like forgotten to ask you? Like, oh, you should, you need to. T- I need to tell you about this <laughs> thing. Is there a thing that we've missed, or like anything you're like, oh, can I tell you about this thing that's coming up? I suppose what I would like to say, maybe, or is I often don't. I think you're the first forest school people I've I've talked to. I do an awful lot of talking to churches about forest school. Often it's that way round. And so often I'm saying to churches, you have land and you have access to communities and you have people. This is such an easy win that does something really important for the world. I embrace it, run with it, get some people outside. Um, and I say that an awful lot. So I suppose, conversely, I, th- I suppose I'd say don't be afraid to approach faith groups because some of them might be terrifying, but some might be quite nice and they might jump at it, mm. jump at the chance to allow you to use some space. Here's hoping. Hopefully yeah, the ones who can listen to me ranting at them might yeah. jump at it. Yeah, yeah, we went to and a really lovely site, didn't we? Um, uh, nurturing nature, is it? No, no. What's it called? It's in it's Epping Forest, kin. I think. Yes. Kinship oh, yeah. in nature. Yes. And they're, 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 and they're, and they're on the back of a Quaker site. Yeah. Yeah. And it's which... beautiful. It's such a lovely little oasis of woodland, you know, yeah. in an, a, an urban area, which is, yeah, as you say, it, with the land, like you describe your setting, it's um they're a real jewel aren't they in, in that kind of environment yeah. and so to open yeah. those spaces up churches and they, i think churches sometimes worry that they don't have enough or it's not like beautiful woodland so why would people want it and i just keep saying to them like all the connection we can get with nature is good and it doesn't have to be big or beautiful or full of trees it can literally be small spaces it's actually with little children tiny spaces are still uh gigantic mm. uh, wilderness aren't they yeah. is there anything that needs to be done one of the things that I'm always conscious of with different depending on different outdoor spaces they infer to adults like I'm thinking toddler groups now you go to different outdoor spaces and like if you go to like a national trust type very manicured kind of site there is that kind of uh inferred expectation of like you need to yeah. stay on the paths you need to like no no come over here and then I think sometimes uh like faith sites can feel a bit like that or like they've got almost like a library-ish energy to them which is like people might I say people like I'm not putting my own views on this I worry that I or my children are about to put our foot on the wrong thing or step in the wrong place and so I guess that it can be is there something to be done there about like demystifying the sites or welcoming people? I think, in, yeah, know? I mean, I think, I think as ever, as ever, it's probably to do with humans having relationship and 
some kind of dialogue and talking about it. So there are lots of churches who are involved in eco-church movements. So they are trying to kind of build up their space as being kind of a biodiverse haven um, rather than being beautifully rigidly kept. Um, so I think there is movement on that side. Um, I mean, as far as mine's, mine's concerned, it's taken a bit of a um, kind of thinking on my part to use it for Forest School because it's different using a churchyard from using the woodland. For one thing, kind of you're not, I'm, I'm surrounded by the woods, but I'm not inside the woods to quite the same mm. extent. And also um, I do have to be careful where I tell them to dig up for mud pies because I don't See, I was really dancing around that, going, I'm not going to be rude. I don't want to go like, how much grave digging do you do on a day? Like, and I was really careful. <laughs> oh, I think it's quite interesting. It, I mean, it is quite interesting working in a place which is surrounded by a lot of dead people. Okay, and great, because I'm so interested in this. I'm so glad we, we can <laughs> talk about this now. Of course, we've got to be a little bit nervous about it because we don't have a lot of contact with death in modern society do we it all happens behind closed doors mostly in a hospital and um we don't ever talk about it ever again because it's something we're all quite terrified of and don't want to talk about Mm. um but i think it's really quite lovely having tiny children running over graves and um playing among where dead people were um i think it's quite lovely when they say what are these and their parents aren't quite knowing what to do and i say oh that's where some people were buried when they were dead and their parents go oh gosh they shouldn't be there and I say well I can't imagine if I was dead what I'd like better than children running around over my body it'd be lovely wouldn't it how idyllic would that be to have your dead body in a peaceful green setting surrounded by giggling children finding Mm. worms it'd be so nice yeah I was absolutely obsessed with graves when I was a kid. That was like my one of my favourite pastimes was to go to a cemetery and read all of the names and look at the style That's of the writing and see how old they were and try and, you know, ask questions about who they might have been and imagine what their lives might have been like. I blooming loved it. And all of the stuff like on the graves, I was like, oh, so these the people that knew these people have left these things and why have they chosen to leave that? And, what you know, all those little human stories, And there's codes I guess. as well, isn't there? You know, like when you go around and, and it's like, uh, a, a square one means this, and a bird on the stone means this. Oh, oh. like Victorian you know symbolism, thing? sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh my yeah. gosh, Ro- the amazing roses means they were engaged but didn't get married, and uh, yeah, daffod- you know, like tulips mean this and something else. There's, there's like a, there is a thing, isn't there? I'm not, I'm, I haven't. I think Victoria. I think in there I'm sounds like you read a ladybird guide or one of those um one of those michelin spotters guides to graves that's what you need yeah, yeah what's the um oh abney park i used to live um near abney oh, park yeah. cemetery um and uh which is amazing like oh what an amazing place um and yeah a lot of those graves have amazing statuary on them that is obviously very symbolic to victorian people that built them at the time um i was also reading something fairly recently about how churchyards have been used differently through history and um, Mm. it was saying certainly in Devon I'm not sure if it's true all over the UK but that um, graveyards would have been places where the community would have used almost like a village green Um, you know headstones wouldn't have been made out of stone and you know most poor people wouldn't have had any gravestones at all actually so just lots of people buried not really any markers yes, and you just, use that as just, a place to congregate and to dance it's, it's you know? community as well which we kind yeah. of don't really hear and it was only when I moved to this church which actually has a graveyard where we haven't been where we've been before they haven't I think it must must be I don't know not exactly strange but how interesting to have a community like those in the past you know where kind of you'd know it was people you loved that you're dancing by you know kind of almost with them in a way yeah, kind of their well, memories yeah. are still with you, aren't they? If you're dancing yeah. by their graves, then they're kind of still yeah. with you and joining in with your celebrations. And even if it's your children who didn't know them, you'd say, oh, yeah, this is where we buried Auntie Gladys. And I loved Auntie Gladys because she always made me the best hot chocolate or something. But it kind of somehow, I suppose it's like that thing. I love hanging out with trees just because of the lifespan being longer than mine. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Mm. It's. I think it can make us feel... 
ironically, a bit panicky within a human lifespan sometimes, almost claustrophobic, can't it's it? It's quite final, that... isn't it? The idea yeah, that it's, it's like, that's where you go and then nothing happens to that land, short. as opposed to like, you go in there and then, yeah, that soil is probably going to be in the root system of that tree or like that flower bed. And like, you can see... There's an awful three-cornered leek that we end up eating as well. And I'm sure that three-cornered leek has been growing yeah. out of certain juicy things That's inside the soil so fucking yeah. goth great That's... isn't it i love it it <laughs> reminds incredible. me of um all that stuff about uh neolithic people and um literally in lots of burial sites around the uk the bones that have been placed there are all jumbled up and they've realized the reason they're jumbled up is because they used to get them out all the time yes. to party with yeah. their ancestors so you know yeah. through the year it's just like yep Get granddad out, get great, great, great granddad out and, you know, and party yeah. with us for the ceremony. So they're there and then we just chuck the bones back. And it doesn't really matter what order they're in because that is the ancestors and we honour them yeah. by, yeah, getting them out, which seems so kind of gruesome to us now. Um, yeah. Maybe and It's but... very interesting. I mean, the thing I had kind of hadn't quite figured on about getting collared up is how much death stuff I do. Um, and so... Kind of the world of funerals is quite figures quite large in the world of clergy. You do an awful lot of funerals, and um, I don't know if you're aware, but funerals are slightly on the decline because people will go to straight cremation. So the body, the person will die, and then they'll go go to straight cremation, and then at some point in the future, people might have a party or remembrance or something. And the kind of issues with that that people are finding that you kind of need to have something that says yes this person's dead before you're able to move on mm. and kind of how you do that within kind of ritual and sign and symbol that allows people to move forwards in grief I think that's quite interesting yeah it's reminded me actually that's made me think I don't know that I hadn't engaged with it my uh I think at least two of my grandparents are in forest uh burial sites where they've got a tree on them um mm. but they're not forests because they're still it's still set up like a graveyard it's still regimented rows mm. and it's i i can remember going to see where uh one of my grandparents was going to be and you know going to see this like three foot by three foot square on the ground and the next bit of this and they're saying you, you could choose any of it was like 30 different species of tree to go with there. And uh, I ended up choosing an apple tree because it was cheap. And they said, that's what my granddad would have wanted. Um, that was just his vibe was like, that's cheap. Have that one. But, um, but I, I remember being hit because I wasn't really far into my forest school journey, but I remember being hit of like, this is super unnatural as an ecosystem. This is not, a community space or a forest or yeah. a like you're not you know the idea that it was like a silver birch and then the next three foot an apple tree and then the next three <laughs> foot a jasmine and then the next three like I was like I, I there's something just I was just reflecting on it now there's like an interesting like performative thing of like this is a very natural thing to do but actually I looked at it and was like well this is I wanted to see their woodland management plan because this is yeah. absolutely like insane. Um, yeah, oh, that's that's. Do you know what? I'm so glad we got onto that. Topic no, you were itching. Of, you were itching to talk about talking about dead itching people. To talk about. I was. I was really worried about it. <laughs> Which again comes down back to that thing of like, well, this authority and I and an expectation. But people care about it very much, don't they? Our in they the village where I live, um, we have a church. We don't have a church anymore because it wasn't structurally sound. So, um, the community fundraised for years and years to try and get it fixed but then it would break again and it wasn't safe so the council just said we, we can't afford it anymore and they really sadly bulldozed it in the 90s um and lots of people are still very upset about it but the um the ground is still used by the community so there'll be services maybe three or four times a year and sometimes there are baptisms and and weddings there occasionally and um the people that run it have decided to take 
uh, very uh, natural management style of the of the land. And amazingly, mm. just naturally, it is an amazing habitat for wildflowers. So we've just got the native daffodils coming through there at the moment. Oh. And the species of wildflower are incredible. Somebody gave me in the village um, about 10 years ago, they, they went round and listed all of the wildflower species. And it's on this oh. really long ream of paper. And as time goes on, field managing it, I have learned more about when it's best to cut the meadow, as it actually is now, really, um, and when best to leave it and all these kind of things. But it really got into a huge public debate locally. And I got kind of dragged into it because people thought it was my fault. Actually, it's nothing to do with me at all. But they knew me as the forest school lady <laughs> the forest, the forest school, school van outside my house. It's all that woman's fault because people became very upset that uh, some people, uh, just the idea of it upset them, that it looked untidy, that it wasn't managed, that it didn't show respect. They think somehow that means it's not being looked after, don't they? Yes, and it's not respectful and what would the people have wanted and what is it? it's showing a sign to our ancestors and our relatives that we don't care or, um, and other people genuinely said it was an access problem that they were trying to get to their family grave and they found that very difficult and so it's all about you know making sure that the paths are really accessible and then managing Mm. it for people and for wildlife at the same time and but it became a a very emotional argument and I didn't really know what to say Mm. because I sort of wanted to say it's nothing to do with me actually and that is the crux of what we were talking about right at the start of this weren't we where we were saying that talking and engaging with spiritual moments Mm. is a very risky and raw place to go and so and then uh, you so you know working on a churchyard site or delivering you know that is the perfect intersection of those two things of like here is a nature thing here is a spiritual thing how do how do we manage a site for both of them you know Hmm. oh immense Rachel if people are in the Epping area and they want to come and find out more about what you did you said uh the name of your church and where you're located but where can people go to find out more about what you're doing. What, how can we get you more Twitter followers? That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> so I am at Curious Wilds on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. That's my kind of forest school hat on. Um, and then St. Peter's in the Forest. St. Peter in the Forest is a church that is also on Instagram. I think it does have a Twitter handle, but I, I don't have the I don't have the login for that. So I at them, but I don't actually do anything to them. <laughs> amazing oh, oh thank, thank you, you so, so much. much i've really really enjoyed chatting with you rachel thank you oh, for your lovely. time but one more death fact for you lewis you'll yes, like mate. this one right <laughs> you know how um you may not know when people are buried they're buried with their um feet to the east i think that's the way around it goes so people are all buried in the same direction oh no the internet so that when they stand up They'll be facing. Can you go facing back, the... back a bit, Rachel? Hold on, hang on. Your internet, your internet cut out. out. It cut out right, the point where you said when people are buried. When people are buried, they're all buried on the same orientation. They're all buried east-west, so that when they when they rise from the dead, they'll be facing the east, facing the rising right. sun. So your feet are pointing east. Yeah. So your feet are pointing east. Apart from if you're clergy. And you're buried the other way round. Why? It's really interesting. So that when I rise from the dead, I'll be facing the other direction so I can look after everyone. Oh my gosh. I was imagining you at the back of the at back of the group facing the wrong way, but you're saying you're at the front of the group and everyone's yeah, looking at I you. Am. Yeah. And the mass crowds of all these buried people who will suddenly come up from their graves, I'm facing the other direction. And there's a Johnny Flynn song about, he sings a lot about burial and death, doesn't he? Yeah. But at the, the end of one of his songs, he, he sings about how, how you're buried, feet to the east, head to the west. And I always think, say at the end of it, I'm going to say in my car, not me, not me, Johnny. That's, oh my gosh. <laughs> There is a does grave. The, does the headstone like go at the other side? That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. Because there's a grave like that in my village churchyard, but it doesn't say that there is a, it's a lady and it doesn't say okay, that Okay, I'm she... so sorry. I have a really logistical question now. If you are buried in a, like a... Jo- I mean, we should have ended this episode so long ago. I'm just in it now. So, you know, like, you know, you know, like shared family ones where you're like in a neighboring yeah. plot. So, so, yeah. so could you end up next to your partner's feet until yeah, that date happens? Yeah, feet for Tandy. Luckily, he's ordained as well, so we don't have to smell each other's oh, feet. Wow. 
was that the reason that you both got? Yeah, that's the only reason. The only reason. (laughs) 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 Amazing. Right, I'm going to end on that one. Thank you, Rachel. We'll see you again soon, mate. Thank you. That was lovely. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.